It's to change. That's the price of being rich is to give up on everything you've ever known. That's it. And make mistakes. Welcome to Learn With Us, brought to you by 303 and You. We are a team of four non-financial advisors who are exploring a revolutionary new financial approach that goes beyond money to prioritize your emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. Through weekly meetings and engaging podcasts, we strive to help you improve all aspects of your well-being as well as ours. Come join us on this journey of growth and self-improvement because at 303 and you, we believe true wealth extends beyond dollars and cents. Happy learning. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Learn With Us. Today, we are doing the conclusion of Rich Dad's Guide to Becoming Rich Without Cutting Up Your Credit Card. The conclusion is, what is the price of fixing your financial report card? Hope everybody had a good week. Yeah, I had a good week. How about yourself? Mine was good. Thanks for asking. Let's get right into this. I like how the conclusion added a nice little title to it. So the opening quote for this is, accounting leads to accountability. He says that about three times throughout this. Four or five, maybe. <laughs> but I like how he's drilling that through your head. You're the only one, as he kept saying. He says, yeah. In other words, one of the benefits of studying accounting and continually striving to improve your financial statements is that the process improves your accountability to yourself. As he said multiple times throughout the book, no one's ever asked you for your report card. Like, no one's ever going to ask you for your financial sheet, but it's for you. And by being accountable to yourself is how you actually become financially free. And he's very blunt on how it's just straight up. It's going to be hard for you, and it was even hard for him, but once you realize what the problem is then you can fix it but if you just keep ignoring it it's going to keep growing i like the part that he points out fixing your financial statement is also fixing your personal life it's not just it sounds like you're like doing something like working out it's only for muscles but you know it's also for everything else to feel better helps with stress helps with it's got more benefits than just the money side is what i'm trying to get at yeah, no, I, that makes sense. I get that. Well, because he's saying that once you face your financial problem and you see where all the problems are, then you see what's in your life. So you're wasting them all on lattes, and then you cut those out of your life. Well, now you get the health benefits of not drinking lattes. Like, like, am I really drinking three lattes a day? That's, whoa. When you do the financial chart. Right. It's like it compounds with your life. <laughs> And affects you more than one way. Like our last book. Maybe it was a couple of books ago. I'm going to read the final thought here in the conclusion. It says, There are many ways to become rich. One way is to cut up your credit cards and live cheaply. I chose not to do that because the price was too high. Another way is to marry someone for his or her money. And again, I could have done that, but the price was way too high. Although it is a popular way to get rich quickly. Another way is to get rich by being a crook, but to me, that price is definitely too high. And another way to become rich is to improve your financial literacy, your financial intelligence, and be accountable to yourself, accountable for your results, your continuing education, and your personal development in becoming a better human being. To me, that was the price that I was willing to pay. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a better way to word that. It's financial literacy is more than I thought it would be like greedy when we started doing this it was gonna be very greedy like you take money and you do this but it's been really like 
you need to pray, you need to meditate, you need to work on your behaviors, you need to, like, like what? None of this has to do with money, <laughs> but I guess it all does. So what are your, some of your favorite takeaways from this book? One of the parts of, that I, that I remember and like is about how, well, he talks about mistakes and how people are afraid to make them, but you shouldn't be because mistakes can be priceless and you can actually learn from them. And so really you should just embrace them. That kind of goes along with one of my favorite points of that him and his friend went to the seminar and he walked away with nothing. It's the same with a mistake. You can look at a mistake as like, well, that was a waste of money. But Or you could be like, okay, well, where did I go wrong? How did this happen? Almost like when a uh, person dies, what do they do? The autopsy? <laughs> That's, they do that to figure out where and how it happened so that they can maybe prevent it for next time. So. So you have to do with all your mistakes is do a little diagnosis and try to figure out why and how you failed and then move on. You can't sit there and cry about it. So what is the price of cutting up your credit card? Did you get the answer you were looking for or no? I'm not really sure, did you? I feel like it. It was what I thought he was going to say, was that the price of cutting up your credit card is that you're lazy. <laughs> I mean, he was nicer about it, but if you want to get right to the point, it was... If you're going to cut up your credit card, then you're not going to learn. You're not going to do the exercise. The, oh, what's he say constantly? It takes an action, or Newton's law. An object in rest stays at rest unless acted upon another force. He repeats that multiple times throughout the book, saying you'll never fix your debt unless you decide to. Yeah. That's definitely one of my favorite quotes you just said. We weren't recording, but... <laughs> my banker never asked me for my report card. That one's going to stick with me, I feel like, because no one cares about your report card, and everyone thinks that's, like, such a root statement, but if you get it, like, I don't know, it just seems deeper than... I guess every quote is, isn't it? <laughs> it's more than just the four words. Another part that I remember that I liked was the how he explains the standard of living for people, and which I didn't really think about, but as you grow up or change... The older you get, your your standards change for what you are comfortable with or what you need or what you desire. We use the school example for ourselves. Remember in high school, imagine like your designer jeans mattered and now you're looking for the cheapest pair because you don't care anymore. Stuff like that. Yeah, which I never really thought about. And I think that's that's valid because if I still were to need all the things that I needed at 16. <laughs> I would be a broke man. <laughs> yeah, when it, when it came to certain stuff, absolutely. One part I liked was way back in the beginning was that you can't be poor if you're going to be a poor person, and or cheap, I guess, not poor. Everyone's poor. But you can't be a cheap person because then you're going to stay cheap. So that's also a lifestyle. It's not. I always thought it was like, you chose to be cheap, but I guess you are choosing, but it's more of a mindset than it is a lifestyle, maybe. And no, Robert isn't saying we need to go out and buy yourself the biggest car tomorrow, but you need to have that mindset that you're going to buy that car tomorrow and you're figuring out how to afford it. Not, well, that's out of my range, nothing I can do. We've talked about this in a lot of other in a lot of other of our podcasts, but the snowball effect is definitely one of our favorites inspired us to actually get back on and do another yearly update on our check from reading this book we've been hammering down on and getting rid of the small debts we've cut out three four 
small little victory for us. I also want to point out something we talk about all the time, but is important, is which is pay yourself first. There's no other way to keep your money. That's the only part of paying yourself first, is to keep your money. Because if not, what are you working for? Robert, it's one of his main points that we went over. And... In my experience, you can't keep your money unless you put it somewhere where you don't have access to it, which I'm not saying lock it up, but like where we have our money, it would take two weeks two weeks to even be able to get it if I wanted it or needed it. And by that time, I don't need it anymore. So it's not even it's not even an option. Or if you put it into a house or something, you're, it's gone. You're not going to be able to be like, wait, actually, I need that 10000 back. It, like that's the best way to do it though is because now it's safe away from you (laughs) yeah yeah invest it in something doesn't matter doesn't matter what but no if it's shoes because you know the shoe market like nobody says it has to be a house if the houses are the best but you can't deny that but it doesn't have to be i want to read this one part about if they said it in the beginning and he says it again in chapter six um it's about the statistics from the government study by people age 65. 1% were wealthy, 4% were well-off, 5% were still working because they had to, 54% were living on family or government support, and 36% were dead. That, so the odds are not in our favor if we don't start doing something. I wonder where the other 36% were before they were dead, though. Yeah. Like, were they still living with their parents? Were they... That's outrageous half more than half and what year is this i don't know copyright's 2011 so not too long ago but i don't know 10 years that will change everything so the price of becoming rich basically means to do something different probably than what you're doing now it's to change that's the price of being rich is to give up on everything you've ever known that's it and make mistakes that's a cool part about like investing and stuff is that you don't have to go in and buy a house and be like, oh, I wasted 10000 You can buy, you know, stocks, dollars at a penny and see how they go for 10 years and be like, oh, well, I should have been putting hundreds in. One of my last favorite parts of the book was when he was talking about the radio host he was on with, and he's like, I thought you promised you were going to tell us how to be rich, and he's like, I did, and all you do is sit here and focus on toilets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that is the good part. It just, you're going to have haters when you start doing this. If you tell anybody, people will look at you, why are you investing? That's just so dangerous. Yeah, there's always going to be somebody who doesn't either understand or doesn't believe in what you believe or whatnot. Always focusing on toilets and not like, how much money are you making? Wow, that's amazing. Like, oh, but you change toilets. I make $600 a month. I don't care how many toilets you got to change. I could use $600 right now. Well, that's all my notes. What about you? Yeah, I don't... I can't think of anything else right now. It was, it was good. It's a good little book. I was just going to say, my only other note would be, go get the book. I'm, we probably butchered half of this. <laughs> we definitely recommend every book we go over that you need to read it yourself. It's got like a budget income sheet in the back of it, which is just like the one from... The cash flow game, which I don't, I, th- I think we mentioned. I don't know, have we? We've actually played the cash flow game, and 
It's worth it. It's a, it's a good game. If you know someone that has it, I recommend you try to play it with them. The more the merrier. It's fun with people. It's Monopoly for grown-ups. Yeah, basically. It's like Monopoly for grown-ups. You have to do real math, real accounting. But once you start getting it, it makes you feel really, I guess, I don't know another word, dumb. It makes you feel like you are financially literate. <laughs> If you want to put it the best way, yes. <laughs> because then you're like, that's, yeah, why do, I never figured out that the more I'm spending, the more I have to earn. It's like, that's so simple, but you never think about it until you start playing. Especially when you write it all down and you can see it all, it really helps with understanding of how, and then you can compare it to real life. So if you want to start on this, a good way is to check out that game. Please join us next week for Rich Dad's Cash Flow Quadrants. All right, everybody. Bye. See you next week. Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion and found it both informative and entertaining. Please stay connected with us and continue the conversation on our social media. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. You can also catch us on most podcast platforms and catch up on previous episodes. If you have any suggestions or topics you'd like us to explore in the future, we'd love to hear from you, and you can reach out to us via email at 303andyou at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends and family if you've enjoyed what you've heard. We will be back next week with more engaging topics and insightful conversations. Until then, take care, stay curious, and happy learning.